Hey, dealmakers, and welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. Let's do this. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. So today we're talking about insurance with Matt Sudica, and it's something that we really don't talk a lot about. And it's again, it's not really, it's about as, as exciting as talking about asset management and operations, right? Not very exciting. But as is always the case, you make your money after you close. Now, I would like to say when I flipped houses, you make money when you buy. That's probably partially true. But with apartment buildings, while you should always buy them right, you really make your money on the back end. If you don't execute your business plan of value add and turning units and increasing rents, you're not making money. You're going to be losing money, right? And so uh, insurance is one of those things that you have to get right. You have to get right because you don't want to overpay, but you don't want to underpay either. And we'll talk about what that means because you don't want to, it's like when you're going to the, to the you're having a contractor come by, you don't want, always want to get the, the low bid, right? Because then they're going to change order you to death, nickel dime to death, or do shoddy work, right? You want the best combination of value and quality that you're, that you're getting. The same thing with insurance. And unfortunately, most syndicators treat insurance as a commodity. We're going to talk about why that's a mistake. In fact, we did it early on as well. We've since realized how insurance is so important in the business. Now, before we get into the call here with Matt, I want to do a shout out to Carrie, Carrie Straub, who left us a review on Amazon. And she says, Michael Blank lays the process out of step-by-step, including what to say and when. Hearing how he breaks down the steps of getting into the game has been fascinating because he addresses all of my self-doubt and objections one by one. It was like he knew my thoughts. Carrie, appreciate that. She's talking about the yellow book on Amazon. If you have not read that book, you must read this book. So I uh, also want to shout out first dealmaker Chance Ireland. He closed on a 24-unit in Springfield, Illinois for $1.3 million. He was working with our mentor, David Kamara, and the entire team of experts behind him to make that success. So Chance, congratulations on that. If you are interested in mentoring, check out our mentoring program at themichaelblank.com. Have a conversation with us. It's really a way where you can get into the game faster. You're going to follow our proven process. And most of our students do their first syndication in six months. In fact, we guarantee it. You're going to be paired up with an entire team of syndication experts. You're going to connect with our network where you can get access to deals and capital. It's a very powerful combination. So check that out if that's you think is next for for you. Also, we work really hard to bring you high quality episodes each week. So if you enjoy our content, please give us your thoughts and feedback on a review on iTunes. Also, is there anything that we can do better? Uh, any guests you want to see on the show? Uh, let us know in there. We'd love to see that. So head on over to iTunes and leave a review for this podcast. All right. So let's talk about Matt. Matt Sudica. He's he's an insurance broker who's also an entrepreneur, which is really cool. His company, Obi, is also venture-backed, which is interesting because it allows him to create uh, educational resources for new syndicators, which is one reason we have in the show. He doesn't just know what he's talking about, but he also has the capacity to work with people who are getting into the game. So let's learn a little bit more about insurance, why it should not be treated as a commodity, but should be a key component of how you do deals. Matt, welcome to the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. So we haven't talked about insurance in a while, and that's because it's not sexy. It's not nearly as sexy as raising $2 million and finding deals and dealing with interest rates, but it's super important. And you know we've made some mistakes along the way. We've learned a lot. You've worked with us on some of these as well. So we want to unpack 
insurance real quick. Before we get going, kind of how did you get involved and in, to give us a little background on yourself? Yeah. So, you know, you said not sexy, and that is normally the case. I have continuously, and Justin Timberlake helped me out a few years ago with the song, but I've been trying to bring sexy back to insurance for, for a long time. <laughs> and how's that been going know, to, for you, Matt? You, you, know, know? you know what? It's, it's still, like let's talk about know, it, asset management and operations. Yeah, oh it's, gosh. <laughs> it's still it's still tough. It's still, you know, a battle of, you know, is it a commodity? Is is it not? Is there a partnership? But not as much sexy, but we do get into where the more we understood actually what people are going, the better that relationship has been. But you know, to go into your question, I've been born and raised into insurance. My dad owned a state farm for 40 years. So I grew up back when and you know I'm old enough to still remember Polaroid cameras where, you know, where you did and then you had to like wave them. So that was my like 12 year old job is I would drive all over and probably wouldn't want to do it as much today, but I would drive all over Flint, Michigan. And, and no, the water was not brown then for any of those who immediately think that, but, and take photos of it. So I've been doing that and then opened a state farm right out of college at 22. Did pretty well with that, grew that to a top state farm nationally. and then. What really got me into the real estate was I left my state farm to build out a real or an insurance company for Century 21. The uh, a lot of people know them; they're on the homeowner side uh, doing real estate, and then transitioned into a love for sure tech and technology, and and then that's kind of where our my most recent company of OB came, where we have a little bit of technology, but we focus our insurance on the real estate market. And so within that, is it is it all insurance that you guys currently cover or certain kinds of insurance? Like what's your specialty? I say everything building, but most specifically, we are in the habitational and multifamily space, you know, especially my day to day is in the, you know, multifamily rental assets from either the single family schedules all the way up to the large multifamily. All right, so let's start with some of the maybe more mistakes or, or maybe false beliefs that people have about insurance. And and, and I I know you know you you look at I think one of the things you do first is you you look at someone's insurance policies and you kind of identify gaps and inconsistencies. And we did that some a, a little while ago, and, and sure enough, there was not only inconsistencies but major gaps. Like I mean, major liabilities that if something were to happen and not you know completely impossible, I mean the deal could go south. I mean, it was major exposure. So, so what do you see that you think is it a commodity, right? And I used to think that insurance is a commodity. I no longer, I no longer think that. But talk about some of maybe the, some of the false beliefs that people have about insurance that you've come across. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you know most people watching this have probably at this point been through type, some type of syndication, whether they've been an LP, GP, or you know they're just starting to, you know as a student or whatever you know they're at, but they probably know a little bit about the space and. For those of you who have it, it's such a rush from when you get under contract, you know, through to that closing date. And what we've seen in the insurance space is that there's only a few things that people care about through that 60, 90 days. Well, in, you know, normal time frame is, you know, is the price going to match what I used in my calculator or what I estimated and not going to screw up my proceeds? And is the coverage going to meet the the bank requirements, right? And there's not a whole lot of listening to me or my team or really in general. And I don't blame it as far as like, here's what your deductibles are. Here's what your coverages are. It's like, hey, Matt, what is my per dur cost? And is the lender going to sign off? So instead of kind of fighting that, we've put a lot of things in place to kind of just get people out of their own way as it relates to insurance. 
So we we make sure that we try to hit what you need to, for closing. We work with the lender, which really is a fail safe as far as coverage is. You know, they're going to make sure that you have it. And then we do an after the close call. Once you you know you've you've had your you know your celebration, you close, you did your Facebook posts, all that <laughs> stuff, right? Then we meet with you and actually talk about like, hey, you know, here's what your deductibles are, here's what your coverages are, because the nice thing is we can make changes after the close, up or down or anything like that, and you can actually make more business decisions at that point. You're really constrained within the closing time frame of what the lender's going to accept and how much money you can pay at closing, right? After closing, you can start to make a little bit more business decisions as far as, oh, maybe I want to, as a, a general business expense, do a deductible buy down, or you know, maybe I do need a little bit of coverage here, or I just want to adjust this. The other thing we do a lot is put in like renters legal liability type programs that help offset some costs, offset your deductible costs, add some revenue, right? Which is something unique. A lot of people think insurance is just a cost, but you actually can use insurance in some cases to actually add revenue to your space. So we do a lot to just understand what you know the, the person who's syndicating or whatever you want to call it's going through and then getting things done so that we comply with what they want at the time. But then we make sure we go back and kind of relook at it with everybody because we understand that, as you mentioned, things will get missed, especially when you got a million other things to do. And your mindset is like, just get the insurance done, Matt, or just, you know, I just, just get it over the finish line for me. So to kind of answer your question, that's what we do. We, we kind of make sure that we understand And Most of us have either done real estate ourselves, or maybe we're active investors, you know, at my company. So we get it a little bit more than the typical broker because, you know, we're, we're realizing some of that stuff ourselves. So, but why not take care of that before closing? Like why, why not? Why? So what is the issue? Explain the issue between lender, what the lender's looking for and to try to get the deal done and closed and just getting it done at closing versus just getting it done and then adjusting it later. Like what, why does that not work as well when you try to get everything done up front at closing? So you don't have to worry about it later. Yeah. Cause you know, for, I'll use examples. So a lender, a lot of times will allow a $25,000 uh, what we call AOP or, you know, all other perils deductible and up to 5% on like, let's say wind and hail or named storm. Now, so that will actually meet the requirements, right? And going up to it is going to give you your lowest premium. So going into closing, that seems good. Lender is required, you know, hits requirement. It's going to keep me from being at 700 door down to 600 door. But what I'm not thinking about at the time, right, is I have a claim and then I got a pay out this deductible, right? And so in a, in a perfect world, everyone would sit down with us through this procedure and they would say, hey, forget what my cost is to the deal, but just get me the best coverage, get me the, you know, the lowest deductibles you can. But what we know really happens is they're coming up with an estimate for that insurance sometime in the pro process with their loan. And whatever that number is, anytime you go over it, it's gonna affect your proceeds, it's going to just affect the deal in general. So it is that balance of it. And if I called most syndicators, you know, they, they probably wouldn't say this out loud, but if I called most syndicators and said, hey, you know, we're at 700 a door, you estimated 700 a door, but really I think we should go from 5% down to 2% in your deductible. I think we should make this or whatever, but it's going to go to 800. You know what they're going to tell me. No, 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 let's just, let's just keep it at that 700 a door. So Again, a lot of it has just been doing this for 20 years. And I just know the psyche of the individual and like when to 
approach them correctly. And they're not, it's not going to be an approachable conversation when, you know, it's just trying to get to that finish line. Afterwards, people start to think through actually, okay, how do I operate this property? And they're more open to ideas on getting maybe the correct coverages compared to just what gets it over the finish line. Yeah, and this is, I think, a, a typical mindset. And and mm-hmm. we, like I said, we used to have it. Uh, we spend a lot more on insurance, on time on insurance now than we ever did before. But I think what you're saying is why fight someone's mindset when they just want to basically they're treating it as a commodity, right? If So if you want to compete as an insurance provider, then you, you're basically selling yourself almost like a commodity, knowing that there's going to be gaps and holes, but there's no willingness to talk about it maybe up front because they're very busy trying to get the closing across. On the other hand, though, a, a more experienced syndicator probably will try to make sure the coverages are correct and care a lot more about the details of that coverage. Has that been your, your experience as well? Yeah, it really, you know, it's never holes. It's more just what I call business decisions, right? Like, you know, you're, we're never writing anybody that doesn't have enough coverage or they, it really just comes down to a lot of times it's the deduct- deductibles is the, is the biggest key. So not really a whole, it's more just what people are not doing the math on is just, you know, how much that deductible is going to cost if you had a, a claim. So the lender's never going to allow you to have holes in your coverage, right? We got to get everything inspected and go through them. They're running their replacement costs. We're running ours. So you know, that would never be something that we would do an experienced or experienced, you know, syndicator. It's more just the little things like the, you know, deductibles or amount of umbrella, things like that, that you might want to adjust after. And really a lot of it too is additional programs, you know, that will help offset some of those deductibles or add revenue. And that's really the the focus. I don't want to get people off on the wrong foot that like, oh, potentially, you know, there's holes in the coverage, right? I think it's more just an adjustment and, and there's just a lot of constraints as it relates to the premium that we can, you know, put on the books for a close. So what is your process then for working with a syndicator, whether you do it before closing or after calling? And it's, it holds is probably a strong word, but you're right. It's business decisions. Hey, yeah. were you aware that it's going to cost you this much if this were to happen? How do you feel about that? Like, how do you engage with the syndicator either before or after closing to make sure that the policy actually is what the, the partners want? Yeah. So we provided up front, you know, of course, like, you know, it's a conversation that we're having, you know, we provide the certificates that, you know, we, we provide all the coverages and then we have a, a full program that we do after the close. So we, we get on the phone call, we make sure we know property management, we know who they want to call for inspection, who they want to talk about if something happened, you know, with the insurance, who's going to be turning in claims. We talk about the coverages that they currently have. We talk about the deductible. So we have a program in place upfront before the call. A lot of it is, you know, just providing them the details, going through it, letting them review what they have. A lot of the work is done as well with the lender and their consultant and going through those coverages as well. So, you know, it's it's kind of the mindset too, is that a lot of it is directed nowadays through, you know, if you have an Arbor or Bancorp deal or something like that, a lot of the insurance, we're speaking more with the bank than we are even the client sometimes. And that's just part of the process because, you know, the bank has the, you know, the, one of the largest stakes, right? And they're going to do a lot for the syndication. So it's really a great thing. Syndicators should feel really good that they kind of have two parties looking at the insurance before closing. They have their insurance broker who's going to do the best job. Then they also have the lender and their consultant who is looking over everything and giving their recommendations. So it, it is overall, it's a really good process with everything that's in place. 
You mentioned one consideration is getting the cost right. And so what is your counsel to a syndicator? Now, as they're underwriting deals, obviously, they don't have a live deal, so they can't get a live quote. But what can they do working with a, with an insurance broker to try to get that estimate as accurate as possible for their underwriting? Yeah, absolutely. So this is a good point. So we have a team that will help you when you're pre under contract, right? And I think what it is more importantly in, in this space, especially right now in, in, in this time, we're in a very bear market as it relates to insurance. And so most of the time when you're working with a broker and you call them up when you're going to look at a deal, they're going to throw out a, you know, a per door number for you. You know, it's going to be 600 door because it's Dallas. And what we've really done, and this actually helps the number from like what I call LOI stage to under contract to closing stage, is if you can get with our team and we provide a, a low end and a high end, right? And not just say it's either going to be 400 or it's going to be 600. We actually do a phone call up front. We fully analyze the deal. And we, what we'll do is we'll talk you through why it would be the low end and why it would be the high end and really guide that person who's syndicating when they start getting under contract, they go through, you know, they got under their PSA or they're going to do due diligence. We'll say, hey, it's it will meet this low end if the seller ha- ends up having no losses and it ends up being copper wiring and it ends up being, you know, where there's a bunch of updates. It's going to hit this high high end if all of a sudden you're in due diligence and there's been 17 fires and it's straight aluminum and this. So what we really are doing is showing this indicator like, hey, both of these numbers probably need to work for you, but here's how you get here. And if you want to dive in deeper, if you can get us this more information, here's how we can fine tune it. And that's been really helpful to help have the syndicator help us get to a finer, faster number, you know, and be more accurate, right? If they never provide any of those items, you know, it's going to, those numbers are going to be in that loose state and we won't be able to really firm them up till later in the process. But the more of that, that they can find out themselves or get during due diligence or before hard money gets in place really can help define it. And they know exactly what they're, you know, they're looking for. And if they want to get more details from the seller's broker to feel more comfortable, you know, they can. So that's really what it is, is providing that roadmap. So the syndicator can understand not just why we came to a number, but what is actually going to dictate where this goes after you go under contract. All right. So there's a range. You mentioned there's a low and higher and you explained what those yep. are. Now you mentioned some of those things in passing. I want to drill down on some of those, maybe what I call gotchas that drive up the premium. So you mentioned things like copper wiring, roof or aluminum wiring. Can you talk about some of the things that <laughs> increase the, the price of insurance? And that, yeah. and and maybe if someone sees those things, they're like, mm, they either have to factor it into the underwriting somehow, or they might simply walk away from the deal. What are those some of the things to look for? Absolutely. So I'll go through all the things that make it what I would call higher risk or higher, you know, less carriers interested, which meaning, you know, higher premiums. And that is, you know, one flood is a huge factor that a lot of, if you're, whether your location is in a flood zone or not, flood is an immediate, just added expense. It's never cheap. And it's, it's, it's going to immediately add to, you know, your bottom line of insurance costs. Right now, the cutoff is usually like 1980, 1985. A lot of carriers interested if it's built after 85, not as many interested. Frame is frame and before 1985 is like a, what they call like a double negative, if you will less carriers interested. Aluminum wiring is very few carriers interested. Mitigated aluminum, you get a few more. Clearly copper is 
going to be something that a lot of carriers are interested in. Previous losses is a huge one. And sometimes that's hard to know at when you're submitting your, your bid for LOI, whether there's have been losses or not. But if you do know, losses from the seller will be held against you, especially right now in this market. So that's a big, you know, stab lock is, is tough. So if you have stab lock on there, you know, that stuff, any, uh, what is that? Old, What's stab lock? What's, what is that? Like your electric panels. So it's the, it's, I am far from what's it called an electrician or expert as it relates to talking you through that. But I just know that the stab lock panels are, you know, older and they are something that in the carrier's eyes have an increased risk of fire. And therefore, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they would prefer those to be replaced. The other thing too, over 15, over 20 year old roofs, is something that they will look at. A lot of risk over three stories is usually another little red flag. So these are kind of all the items and I'm sure I'm missing, you know, one or two, but those are the biggest things. So if you have a 1975 frame, four story aluminum, that's <laughs> going to be tough. You know, and you're going to put renovation into it. So it's a Jim from Mad Money that just like says there's like always a, a, a bull market somewhere and his job is to find it. Like it's kind of like that. There's always a carrier out there for almost everything. It's just in this case, instead of just finding it and it'd be a good thing, you're finding it, it's going to be probably pretty pricey. And this is important when you and you guys are, are looking at underwriting to work with an insurance broker up front. So when you're looking at something like uh, where roofs or three stories or, or anything like that, you got to factor it into your underwriting, right? Otherwise, you're going to get you're going to get a, a pretty big surprise. Now, like you said, one thing that you won't probably know up front is previous losses. And I thought that's a big factor. And that's this is one of the things you uncover during due diligence, right? And you you, know, you can't really uncover that before if that is a material thing. You know, I don't know how many sellers just close that, but I don't, I don't, I don't think very many do. You know, but it could yeah. make a material difference. Yeah, and absolutely. You know, and again, there's more people on this and and yourself that are experts on you know the real estate than me. But when I look at it in a perfect world, if I the more I can get into the the the, the contract or the agreement to make sure that they're providing at least when you do go under contract that they have to provide you updated loss runs, they have to provide current you know right. policies. Right. Even if there's some contingencies on there, you know, I've seen a lot lately where, you know, when we find out about that huge fire loss, right, the impact it has to the insurance and then syndicators are trying to go back and retrade or negotiate then. Again, I don't know if these are things that can be done, but just thinking from the insurance mindset of like an ideal situation, if you could have something in there, you know, especially when you're about to sign a contract that says, which would red flag, and I would assume that they would bring it up before they would sign it, like, hey, if we find out once we go under purchase here that you had some million dollar fire loss or 500 plus thousand dollar fire loss that's going to cause us insurance, like we're going to need to immediately chat, right? Because, mm. and again, I don't know if that's possible or not. I'm not the real estate expert, you know, on the call, but those are real things that are happening where people are getting under contract. They're thinking, you know, this has no losses. We kind of estimate it based off of having no losses. And next thing you know, we find out that there was you know, $2 million plus fire losses. And instead of it being $400 a door, it's $1,200 a door. And that's huge to the NOI, right? Yeah, it is huge NOI. It's one of those things you can do during the, you know, financial due diligence phase is, is to request those things as part of the documents. And like you said, it's a, it's a material issue, kind of like in discovered economic vacancies and that kind of nature. It's, it's as big as that for sure. So, so that was good. So you guys pay attention to that when you're doing due diligence as well. Now, one thing we deal with 
obviously is once you buy the insurance is is an increase in premiums. And it almost seems like premiums are going up and there's nothing one can do about it. What can an operator do to kind of manage the seemingly unstoppable increase in premiums? Yeah. So again, I'll speak on both sides, insurance side and real estate side. So starting with the real estate side, clearly, you know, you're going to do all your stuff as far as increasing rents and drive revenue. But one thing is there's rental programs that you can put in place that as an insurance product that you can provide renter's insurance to your tenants and then actually charge a delta that you make up that you can either use to offset insurance costs or offset your deductibles. So that's something on the kind of the what's called the real estate side. And then from the insurance side, just like anything else, of course, yes, you're going to have the increases. I think where people run into the issue is, is two ways. One, make sure you have a broker who actually really will look at it every year. Every broker in America will tell you that they look at your stuff every single year and they shop it. You know, maybe they do, maybe don't. All I can speak on is that you really want to have someone really looking at it. And then you need to equate for it. I think so many people are just afraid to, uh, they equate for increased lawn cutting costs. They equate for this all in their five-year projections. But for insurance, they'll put some like crazy number, like it's only going to increase 1% each year or three. And, and that's just not realistic, not in, you know, in what I would call tougher markets. Now, if you wanted to over five years say, hey, we're going to have two bad years where I might get a 10, 15% increase, I'm going to have maybe one year where I stay neutral and then two years where maybe we're sub 10 or sub 8% increase. I think those are fair to kind of look at it in like a five-year cycle. Because you even look back from like 2017 through now, 2017, 2018, 2019, I thought insurance was cheap. I was almost afraid to give some of the rates we were giving because I was like, oh man, this is almost too good to be true. And you know, now people are seeing it. And then you look at the last couple of years and it's been like, whoa, right? And it's just been like a, a big increase. So you even look over that span, if you were back in 2017 buying an asset and you would have said, hey, two good years, one medium year, two bad years and, and projected that accurately, either even across or you know, kind of just notice the market that you're in. And these again, these are conversations you can have with your broker of like, what type of market are we in? When do you think we're getting out of it? Are we getting out of it? Adjust. But I think a lot of people, that's where we see is they going into year two, they hit us up a few months before when they're projecting out what insurance might cost. And we'll come back and say, hey, it looks like you're going to have an 8% increase or 7% increase, which is not terrible. And they're like, well, we projected three. Like what happened? I'm like, you know what I mean? And so I think just being accurate with your projections and working with someone, again, the focus is always so much about getting to the close, the finish line. And I think people forget about the next one, two, three, four, five years, whatever you're going to hold the asset. And that's not just with insurance, but that's what I've just seen in general being around purchase after purchase, operator after operator is 99% of the thought is just how do I get this thing closed? get investors to, you know, raise capital, all those items. And you forget that like, actually the hard work starts after the close, you know, operating it, turning capital, you know, making decisions, you know, you know, that's really the key, right? That's really good advice. If you want to work with a full-time syndicator to help you get up to speed faster, get your first deal done this year and scale your portfolio so you can quit your job, then check out our mentoring program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. 
It's the only program out there that actually guarantees results. That's right. We actually guarantee that you do your first deal in the first year. Otherwise, we'll keep working with you and set up a, a strategy session call and explore whether it's right for you. It's the michaelblank.com forward slash mentor. What's a good increase that people should use in underwriting, you think, for the next five years? I think if you want to be conservative right now, asking this question, I would conservative around nine, ten percent, aggressive being six, seven. In a better market, it's you can probably shift that down to three percent there. What we've done as a brokerage and we've been pretty accurate is we've tried to high end this year keep everybody less than fifteen. Goal was to shoot for 10. And then if we got you under 10, it was fantastic. And that's just being real. Like that's the market we're in. But a lot of times we only got those numbers where switching to a different carrier or finding a different avenue. Because I'll tell you, most of our renewals, like the carrier actually that was renewing this year was 25, 30, 40% actually yeah. on the renewal. So we've had to reshop and rework stuff here in 2022 more than we ever had to in, let's say, a 2019 or a 2020 when things were just renewing. But again, that's just, you know, part of, you know, part of the business. So this year, we actually had to add staff that ha to handle just our renewals because it really is crazy numbers. And we're not someone that will just try the whole like, oh, you're a client, you closed with us last year. We're just going to wait till three days before and stick you with a 40% you know, that's just not how we do business on things. And so, yeah, I think that's really the key is one, having, again, the broker who is going to really work on things for you. And then two, sitting down with that broker, you know, maybe in that two week after the closed conversation is a good time too of like, all right, let's, let's talk, let's really talk through the next five years. What does this look like for me, you know, as an operator? What do you kind of see as an outlook from an insurance perspective in the next five years or what's what's going on right now? Is there, are there certain developments in, that it's going to affect insurance one way or another? Yeah, absolutely. So this is probably one of the worst markets I've seen in a long time, just being frank. But it's just like the stock market or anything else, right? Like the whole country is in a bear market right now. Like what's not, what's not having a hard time, right? And it just seems like the moment that we you know, this is how bottoms are created, right? The moment that everybody's just kind of given up, fed up with, you know, where things are is when things rebound. And so how that works in the insurance space is why things start to get bad is a couple reasons. Carriers go under, which has happened over the last two years. Carriers decide they don't want to do what have business anymore, which has happened. And then last is hurricane or major catastrophe. And we just had the fourth largest hurricane on record in Florida about 10 minutes actually from where I live. So we've had everything hit. Mix in a once in a lifetime crazy pandemic that kind of just messed up rates and kind of screwed with carriers. And that's where we're at today. Mixed with the last thing of just a bad economy in general. And that's why you're seeing all time just like poor rates right now. So where I'm at is I think that'll continue through the rest of this year, of course. I think we'll see it pretty heavily into 2023, but I am optimistic that starting maybe summer on August on, if we, you know, don't have a crazy cat year, we can start to see a little bit better going into late 2023 into 2024, because eventually it happens with stocks, happens with everything. Carriers start to come back in, more carriers get created. Carriers start to like, hey, you know what? It looks like there's some opportunity in this HAB market, you know? So 
it's all in a cycle, right? It's, I call it a five-year cycle. It might be six, it might be, you know, four, but roughly it's a thing where you have the same thing, bad storms, carriers get out, carriers go under, then certain carriers make some money, you know, because they write their ticket as far as how much premium. Eventually other carriers are like, oh, I'm going to go compete with them and they get in. But you see it the same in a real estate, right? It's, it's, there's buyer market and seller market for a reason, right? And they kind of, you know, rotate depending on certain factors, right? From, you know, like right now you guys are interest rates are dictating a lot uh, as it relates to real estate, same type of factors that you can relate over to insurance. It's just different pegs, different holes. Now you're with a, with a company called OB, OB Insurance. Yes. What kind of real estate investors or operators are you looking for? Like, give us an idea of the type of real estate, the size of the real estate. Is there a sweet spot that you have? Who's yeah, absolutely. Idea I, I think our sweet spot or just who we work with most, I'll put it that way, is people usually in the like 50 units to let's call it even three, 400 units. A lot of times it's 50 to like 200 seems to be the sweet spot of the size. And that's per per apartment complex. We also work really well with people who are new in the space or groups that have like students. The reason for that is we're set up for like kind of the handholding. We're set up for the education because we have the fortunate opportunity to be like VC backed on part of our company. We can spend more resources to assist in times of like underwriting, you know, helping through the under contract where a lot of brokers like they, they you know, they have to see ball and they have to hit ball to, to pay the lights. So yeah, so our focus is on usually people who are newer in the space or just getting into it. And then overall, say people who want to add a partner to their team, we really work better in that space. If you're someone who's like super aggressive on rates and wants to have two, three, four brokers, like shop it out and go, that's probably not the best fit for us. If you want someone like that, you know, you like having a lender, you like having your property manager, you like having you know, your asset manager and you want to add, like, I like having a, a guy or a, a gal uh, on the insurance side. That's where we really fit in. And over time with that method, I'm able to do a lot when I have a continued customer that we work with, you know, to help, you know, get people to closing, help them with rates, help them with increases. You know, even if I have to do some things on my end, you know, to help them there. And I can do that when there's an established relationship, when it's just, you know, a one-off or this or that, it's harder for us to work in those situations. Yeah, I love it. That's really what, what all syndicators need on their team is they need a partner that can do deal after deal after deal with. So that's awesome. Matt, how can people connect with you and find out more about Obi? Uh, absolutely. So you can email me, Matthew at obrisk.com, or you can go out to any of the social medias and look up Matthew Sudika, S-U-T-I-K-A. And would love to help you out. Clearly, you can go to obrisk.com and, and get a hold of me there as well. But I love uh, email and I love the social media to connect. Awesome. Check out Matt here at, at obrisk.com and schedule a call with him and see what you guys can do together. Matt, it's been great to have you uh, on the show here. Hey, thank you so much. All right. The big lesson is pay attention to the details. Okay. There's a lot of things going on in the syndication. Yes, we're raising a bunch of money. That's super important. We're finding deals. That's super important. And we don't really pay too much attention about even the loan details sometimes, certainly not insurance. So the, the lesson here is build your team up front. And, and Matt talked about that he really wants to be a partner on your team. He doesn't want to be one of four brokers that you work with. And it's really not a good approach, even with lenders. You don't really want to work with multiple lenders. They don't like that because what happens is the actual loan underneath, there's only a few actual lenders who provide the, the capital. So 
for brokers, there's going to be a lot of overlap in the underlying loan. And so when that gets out that you're shopping one broker against another, they don't really like that. And you don't want to do that. So what, what you do want, though, is you want a good broker. And a, a broker has multiple lenders behind them. In this case, a good insurance broker has multiple carriers behind them. And this is very, very important because as we talked about here on the, on the interview, you have different properties in different markets. Some carriers specialize in one market or one particular type of property will cover one and not the other. Also, when renewals come up, these brokers can have the, the network and the capacity to give you competitive quotes. So it's critical to have that person and put the work in up front. Again, we do a lot of work before the deal, right? We do a lot of work with, with investors before the deal, with brokers, obviously, before the deal. Same thing with lenders before the deal. Do the same thing with insurance brokers as well as property managers. Put the work in up front so when you get a live deal, you can move very quickly. And as an added benefit, you know how to underwrite deals and you can put your insurance broker part of your underwriting and due diligence team. So important. So again, pay attention to that in your next deal. Don't just discard it and, and ignore it. Also, if you are interested in getting involved in syndications yourself as an active investor, but also a passive investor, one great way to do it is to invest passively. Because now you know how other people raise money and how they, what they do to communicate what the process is like. And now you can speak with authority if you want to raise money for other limited partners. We talked about that with Julie Holly recently, and that is what she did. And so if you're looking for an investment with a syndication company, we'd love to be your partner at Nighthawk Equity is our investing business. And we'd love to have a conversation. Just head on over to nighthawkequity.com and just schedule a call with us. We are always looking for deals and figuring out different ways to get into, into deals that make a lot of sense. So we'd love to have a conversation with you. And on that note, you know, it is always the best time to get into this business right now. It's just the details. They change. The underwriting changes a little bit based on what's going on in the market right now. So just educate yourself. It is not rocket science and just get in the game. Catch you next episode. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com slash vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault. 